BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I have a really fun episode for you guys today, one that I really enjoyed recording. It's a double files. I have Nick Vial of the Vial Files. I didn't even realize till after we recorded, I was like, oh, we're both the files. I did not copy him. You guys probably all know the origin of the Blonde Files name that I cannot escape as much as I want to. I can't stand it, but here we are. Anyway, like I said, I'm talking to Nick Vial and... We are talking all about relationships from a guy's perspective, which I haven't had on this show yet. So of course, he is a bachelor vet. He is a podcast host of The Vile Files. And again, we're talking about relationships. Sorry, I'm recording this intro early in the morning. So I feel like I might be repeating myself and not making any sense. But in this episode, we get into a ton of different topics like fuck boys, fuck girls, open relationships. We talk about the paralysis of choice when it comes to modern dating with so many choices and people at your fingertips. We also get his perspective on settling, finding the one, setting yourself up for successful relationships with boundaries, which I found to be really interesting. And then he also answers some listener Q&As on things like whether somebody can change. And he talks about what men find most attractive in women and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome, Nick. So excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) So I was telling you off mic that I got tons of questions from my audience. I've been doing a fair amount of like relationship and dating episodes recently, but I haven't gotten the male perspective. So everybody is really looking forward to that. But to begin, just for anybody who is maybe not familiar with you. Can you just give us a background on who you are and what you do? Yeah. Well, my name's Nick, as <laughs> you probably already uh, mentioned. Most people probably uh, at least started knowing me from my time on The Bachelor. And then since then, I see, I had about three. We started in 2019. Uh, I host a podcast myself called The Vile Files, and we do three shows a week, and we have three different formats, which is one of which is uh, my Ask Nick, which is 
similar to like people calling in and it's like long form where they tell their story, some sort of situationship or problem or issue with a friend. And I just, uh, I give them my point of view and I almost don't like calling it advice rather than what I try to do is just give them a little bit more honest lens about their situation. Cause when we're emotionally involved in situations, we have a hard time kind of seeing it clearly just because we're compromised by either our egos or things that, you know, we want. And, uh, so that's a lot of fun and people seem to like that. And then being from the bachelor, a lot of people like to hear my point of view when it comes to the show. So we re recap it and cover all our pop cultures. And then we have our going deeper episodes on Wednesday where I interview other public figures or experts and things like that. And we started doing kind of mediation calls, which is similar to the Ask Nick, but with couples. Couples will call in and not couples who are like looking to break up. We're not saving relationships, but it might be like a fight that they're having or, you know, some small issue that they're not, you know, really seeing eye to eye. And we try to find out if there's some common ground, which is a lot of fun. So that's, that's a little bit about me. I don't really know a ton about your background, but I would imagine that Prior to doing The Bachelor, I guess I'm more curious, how did your perspective on relationships change, if it did at all, from your experience being on The Bachelor? Because like before you went on, would you have ever imagined that you would be giving couples advice and talking to people about dating and relationships? Was that always something that you felt was a strength of yours or did it kind of evolve after you went on the show and then like in your experiences after that? Well, it definitely evolved. <laughs> and I can't say I ever imagined it. I mean, I was selling software for a company called Salesforce. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I was always the friend that people would go to for advice just because, you know, for better or worse, I, uh, I'm blunt, which is helpful sometimes. Uh, I'm always like the friend people not, don't always want, but, you know, sometimes need. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've always been good at kind of understanding kind of interpersonal relationships, mostly just kind of getting getting you know, getting over my own bullshit in my 20s. So the show, I think, you know, I used to always kind of be resistant to that question in terms of like the, the show didn't teach me anything, mm -hmm. kind of like, but I think after thinking about it, I think what it kind of reinforced was that feeling in love doesn't necessarily or doesn't always mean that you are in fact in love. And I think that's something that it's important to remember for everyone especially early on in dating when we get really excited and we're going through, you know, the honeymoon phase, as they say, because, it, yeah, because <laughs> you don't have to be on The Bachelor to get excited about someone, especially if maybe you feel a little unlucky in love after a while and you meet someone and you want to make it work and you put a lot of pressure on yourself and things like that. So, yeah, that was a, a kind of a good reminder to to be cautious even about your own feelings, especially it relates to love. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I want to dive into that a little bit because I've been in a relationship for seven years, married for three. So I've been out of the dating game for a while, but I see a lot of my friends, male and, and female, who are out there and they're doing the apps and everything. And I see this like continual pattern of like getting really excited, kind of getting that high with somebody, thinking that it's going to be, and then like the crash and then some people, I think, kind of ride that out and stay in wrong situations yeah. because they decide that this is going to be the relationship for them based off of that initial feeling. So how are some ways that you or somebody listening can kind of discern between, 
actually being in a strong relationship versus just feeling like you're in love? Yeah, it really comes down to setting boundaries for yourself. People talk a lot about boundaries for yourself and other people, but it's really about boundaries for yourself and then you enforce them with other people. Mm-hmm. And the hard part is that, that, the second part is that hard part is actually enforcing them. Because you can come up with a million boundaries of things I'm not going to do and things I, I want, but it's, it's enforcing them when you get excited and not negotiating with yourself. Um, if, if all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, but they're so cute and like mm-hmm. they're really good looking. I was just like, oh, they like, <laughs> I love that they work for this company or something. And then we, we, again, I say negotiate with ourselves because every time we uh, make excuses for the people we get excited about when something feels a little bit off, that's, that's us just negotiating with ourselves about our willingness or unwillingness to enforce a boundary we had set, you know? And that boundary might be something like, I'm not going to go out with someone who texts me day of to hang out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe there's like an exception to that because... You know, maybe they invited you to a really cool concert. It's like, yeah, I just got these tickets from my friend. It's like, of course, yeah. Like, that makes sense why you would have an impromptu. But the classic, like, you know, we all gotten those texts before. And certainly I've sent those texts before. It's just like, hey, what are you doing tonight? It's like, nothing. Oh, well, <laughs> do you want to hang out later? Well, mm-hmm. that person definitely is, hasn't been thinking of you. They just got bored enough to reach out. And so trying to kind of set those up for yourself and then enforcing them will help you kind of filter through people. Because it's, it's just filters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I pulled my audience not too long ago on if they thought dating was harder or easier than 50 years ago, 10 years ago, and two years ago. And I think it was 90%, 89%, and 75% all said it was harder than all those threes. Mm-hmm. I mean, overwhelming, everyone just thinks it's harder now. Right. Which is like, you would think, Logic would tell you the opposite, right? You have more options. There's more dating apps. It's easier to meet people. We're learning all these new words <laughs> like gaslighting and, and breadcrumbing and non-negotiables and attachment styles. Like, oh, we have more information. We It should mm-hmm. be easier, but it's a little bit of paralysis of choice. And then our expectations are higher, but we're not like learning kind of the filters and the way it, it's really just about us, right? How do mm-hmm. we police ourselves? We're always worried about the people we want to meet. And I think we need to focus more about like our choices mm-hmm. and, and recognize that it like dating is a, is a means to a beginning, as I say, you know, mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not meant to be necessary. It can be fun, but it's not meant to be fun. You right. know, you're building a house, so to speak. Yeah. I'm thinking of a terrible analogy, but as far as the, what did you call it? Something paralysis? Um, paralysis choice kind of paralysis thing. Paralysis of choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like 50 years ago, there were probably one or two TV channels. And so you would yeah. watch whatever is on yeah. TV. Now, so many fucking platforms. I sit there and I look for something to watch for an hour and then I get paralyzed by it and I go to yeah. bed. Like, same kind of idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, 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 use, <laughs> I use that same analogy, the Netflix analogy of dating and, and browsing on Netflix. People mm-hmm. are spending all this time trying to find the perfect preview. You know, mm-hmm. you can go on Netflix and watch a preview and it's just like, oh, well, I like it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. No one ever wants to just press play. We've all become this person. It's just like the pressure of finding the one still there. That's never changed, mm-hmm. right? But the more options definitely hasn't made it easier because back in the day, it was you just get engaged with the person you know you like the most at yeah. twenty years old, yeah. And then you, and then you just made it work, 
You know? Yeah. And you don't know what else is out there. Now yeah. it's like in your face when you open up Instagram or TikTok or whatever, or any of the dating apps, which, you know, when I was doing it, it was only like Bumble. Now I know there's a million. Yeah. Do you think that that is part of what makes it so difficult? Is that like you can kind of always be looking even if you are in a relationship? 100%. Yeah. Because we've gotten all these options, but you know, we haven't, I'm a, like sports analogy because I like sports, but we haven't changed our playbook, even though mm -hmm. the game has changed, so to speak. Right. So, and going back to, we get all these options and we just assume, oh, now, now we just have to pick. But how we pick is going to be different because we have so many more options and everyone we're dealing with also has options to, and we can't control them. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing we can do about that, but we could go a long way to make our lives easier by going on a date or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. because a lot of how many people or your friends will just have 10 or 15 matches and a, they're just talking to a bunch of guys and they're just waiting for the guy to like, ask them out or, you know, and things like that, where you just have to decide for yourself, what am I going, how am I going to control my choices and my dating experience? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to wait on anyone. I'm not, you know, if a guy wants to, or a girl wants to ask me, great. But if I like someone, I'm going to, I'm going to make a move or maybe your boundary is I want someone to ask me fine. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily agree with it, but that's what you want to do. But at least you say, well, I'm not, I'm going to give them a certain amount of time to make a move. And if not, then I'm going to move on. But like we we're kind of just collecting matches, like little trophies. Right. And accumulating them is like in almost validating ourselves. Well, at least I have a bunch of people interested in me and we're kind of dating as if it's like a popularity contest rather than like a goal of finding an, a single individual. Mm -hmm. So I am recording this super early. It's like seven o'clock in the morning and I've been working for the past half hour. I woke up very groggy, but first thing that I did when I woke up before I had my matcha, before I did anything was drink my athletic greens. And I swear it gave me like this little buzz of energy. It made me feel more clear. That groggy feeling kind of subsided. And this is something that I've been doing daily since last year. And it's really become a part of my morning routine that I crave. So if you're wondering what is Athletic Greens, well, with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. And this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things. It's such a micro habit that can have so many benefits in a lot of different areas of your life. So like I said, I like to take Take it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. I just mix one scoop of AG1 with about eight ounces of water and throw some ice cubes in there. Sometimes if I'm feeling creative, I'll add it to a smoothie and do it before my workout. But either way, it is just a really simple habit that you can incorporate into your lifestyle. And it also eliminates the need to take a bunch of different pills and supplements and all of that. It's also lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free or gluten-free, you are good. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. And this is huge because a lot of other green juices have tons of sugar. 
And on top of all of that, you can feel good about supporting Athletic Greens. They are a climate neutral certified company. For every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry in the U.S. And in 2020, Athletic Greens donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. So right now, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. If you are feeling stuck with your skincare routine and you can't find anything that is really effective or working for you, I have got just the thing for you. So I am talking about Curology. It's a game-changing custom skincare routine made for you by a dermatology provider. They create custom prescription cream for your specific needs, whether that's tackling acne, clogged pores, skin texture, dark spots, fine lines, or something else. And it's super easy and convenient. You just start by taking a short online skin quiz and uploading photos. And if it's a good fit, they ship you your formula right to your door. It even has your name and everything on the bottle. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. So I have talked about this before. I love my custom prescription formula. Basically, this is their core product. It's created specifically for each member's needs and goals from proven prescription ingredients. So mine is tretinoin, azelaic acid, and niacinamide. And it is the only tretinoin that my skin really responds to in a good way. I don't get the crazy dryness and breaking out and irritation that I get with other ones. And it just makes my skin really glowy and bouncy and all the things that we want. So they also have a cleanser. They have a really nice moisturizer. It's really simple. It's not greasy. It's not going to make you break out. They also have a really nice lip balm. It comes in four different flavors, original, mint, vanilla, and passion fruit. They have acne body wash and they have another product that's one of my favorites, which is the emergency spot patches that really helps if you get a sudden breakout. So if you want to get started with Curology, you can get a free 30-day trial at curology.com slash blonde. All you have to do is pay $5 for shipping and handling. That's curology.com, C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com slash blonde to start your free 30-day trial and you can cancel any time. Prescription is subject to consultation. I used to care so much about portraying a perfect life and acting like everything was okay when really things were far from it. I was secretly battling anxiety, depression, and an eating disorder. So it was a lot. I'm Victoria Garrick, former Division I athlete, mental health advocate, and host of RealPod. Every Wednesday, I sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, and more to talk about the inner thoughts and feelings that we're all struggling with. So leave the filters and facetunes at the door and join me on RealPod. How did all of this play out for you in your relationship? I saw an Instagram post of yours when I was getting ready for this where you said something like, I'm so glad I said no to all of them so that I could say yes to you all the time. And I was like, well, that's really cute. What does that mean? I thought it was just trying to have a really cute Instagram (laughs) caption. I think in that, that was, uh, yeah, it was probably more just in the Instagram caption. But like, what was different? How did you prepare yourself for this relationship I was patient. Okay. And at the end of the day, I was, I was in fact patient. I was, for me, comfortable with being 
single for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there were certainly times where I, I had moments in my, cause I was single for, in my twenties, I had three very serious relationships, all of which at one point I was like, I'm going to marry this person. Right. And then after that last one broke up in my early thirties, I was very comfortable with being single and, you know, kind of knew, I learned a lot about myself through those relationships and what I liked and what I didn't like. And so once you start dating with more expectations about what you're looking for, it's, uh, it's easier to say no to things. When I met my first girlfriend at 18, it was like, I think you're attractive and you're nice to me. I think we should be boyfriend mm -hmm. and girlfriend. And when you're older, you say no to more things. And, and that sometimes, sometimes there was a point where I got so used to saying no to people and then you're kind of get afraid at least i did i think and i think it's a relatable feeling for people who are you know single and dating in like the late 20s or early 30s it's you want to find that feeling that you felt when you were 18 19 20 21 of falling in love you know mm -hmm. and for me it was weird because i certainly felt those feelings going on the bachelor it's a it's an environment designed to elicit those emotions and mm -hmm. it was like do i have to go on the fucking bachelor to feel this kind of like euphoric, you know, falling in for someone, or do I just have to pick someone? You know, right. I literally, I remember having a thought where it's just like, <laughs> I went on these dates with these, you know, great women, really cool, beautiful, interesting, fun, but I just wasn't, there was just something I wasn't, uh, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember wondering if like, should I just, do I just pick someone and just try? And mm -hmm. I think there's some truth. I, I think I could have to a certain extent. And with Natalie, you know, when we first met, I was still really hesitant and I definitely kind of had a thought of like, what, what am I saying no to, you know, like, am I being extra cautious? And I, and I kind of realized I, I just have to try this. She because, DM'd you, right? Yeah. She's, okay. she's sending my DM. Like but, that move. Yeah. I respect it. And, and even, you know, we've kind of told this story a few times, but you know, while we were kind of basically just fucking around and it, it was mutually very casual early on mm -hmm. and it reached a point where she was like, no, nah, I want to, I want this to be something. And I was like, nah. And, <laughs> and, and she was like, cool, fine. She didn't, you know, no begging, nothing. And she didn't even, she wasn't like, she didn't give the old classics. So what are we doing? Right. Like the, what are we? What are we? Which you should never do. <laughs> she did what you should only do is this. She just said exactly what she wanted. She said why. And, and then she didn't negotiate with me and she didn't, she was like, okay. Ooh. And then she went and showed me exactly what I might miss, you know, and um, she didn't play games. But if I reached out and she had a date, she would be like, I have a date and she'd go on the date. Uh, quickly, it was just like, all right. I'm, yeah. How long did that take for you to go from not wanting anything serious to realizing what you were missing? From when she first like put it out there? Yeah. Like a month. Okay. All right. She um, made you sweat a little. So yeah, for me, it meant I was patient and, and I'm very thankful that I was because, you know, sometimes when you're, you're doing things, you're kind of wondering, am I making the right decisions? Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe there's some luck involved, but I am really lucky to have her in my life. And it really is, a, I mean, a great relationship. It's, I feel very fortunate. And, and I think it was just being comfortable with waiting. You know, because mm -hmm. I think it's, it can get very discouraging, you know, being single for so long, you know, you're just kind of like, fuck. And, it, and it's not because you didn't meet people 
I met a lot of great people and I've had mm-hmm. a lot of nice dates, but you're just trying to, I mean, you're, you're trying to find one for the rest of your life and people, and that's the hard part about dating. We put a lot of pressure on that. Mm-hmm. And I think our kind of decision-making tree back in the day was, was a lot simpler, mm-hmm. you know? Well, yeah. And I feel like back to the paralysis of choice, like, again, I'm not single now, so I, I can't say for sure. But if you do start dating somebody and you get that doubt about, well, am I making the right decisions? Is this the right relationship? You know, anytime there's a bump in the road, it's so easy to just bail and see what else is out there. Totally. Yeah. I don't believe in the one. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in fate or anything like that where people will disagree sometimes with me when I, I say things like the reason why people are afraid to like define a relationship these days because they are. Mm-hmm. Like I, I pulled my audience before and people are hooking up like crazy, like having sex with a stranger. No big deal for mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Defining a relationship, people are like, oh my God, <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? And I think it is because again, we we're afraid of, well, what if I get in this relationship, I might miss something that comes along. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to choose to be with someone every day. Right. You know, like a relationship is a choice. I mean, and it's not like I wake up every day and go, do I want to be with Natalie? But mm-hmm. I think you have to actively choose to make the person you want to be with a priority every day. Because if if you don't, that's when things can kind of fade away and, and things can, you know, new people can come into your life and you can be tempted because it does, it does make an active choice to say, I want to give up my freedom of being single. There you go. Excuse me. <laughs> it's a sparkling, sparkling water, water, everybody. <laughs> I don't want, I want to give up my freedom of, you know, going in the apps or not going out with my friends and, and, you know, going to a, a, I don't know, going out and getting hit on and saying yes to that. I mm-hmm. mean, there's, there is a lot of, you know, there's a fun side of being single, which I think it's one of those, you know, grass is always greener when just don't forget how, how much fun being single can be when you're single right. and, and don't forget how much fun being in a relationship can be when you're in a relationship, you know, and actively remember that. I was talking to a friend of mine, a male friend of mine the other day, and I don't know if I want to say who it was, but he knows the ins and outs of a lot of people's private lives and relationships. And we were talking about marriage and he said that over 50% of marriages end in divorce. So of the less than 50% of people who remain married long-term, he said like 75% of those that he knows at least are cheating. And then of the 25% of the less than 50% who are still married and not cheating, he said that the only ones that he knows that are, or the happiest ones that he knows are in open relationships. What do you think about that? I, I get the logic. <laughs> um, I get the logic. I mean, also, I'm assuming this person like lives in LA. Mm-hmm. LA is a different place. When Nellie and I were dating, but not in a relationship, like we're hooking up, mm-hmm. we were incredibly honest. I think, strangely enough, that solidified and cemented like a really good foundation for us. You know, I was one of those people where if I know this person likes me and I don't want to, even though I started to like, I liked her and, but I was like, I can't be, I mean, if I don't want to be in a relationship with her, I can't, she doesn't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. But your instincts will want, make you just still ask, so like, have you been on any dates? You know, especially mm-hmm. if you're still hooking up. And I think most people kind of lie in those situations. They're like, no, no, you know, 
we were just brutally honest. Like, yeah. And she was very honest with me and it made us both a little jealous, but like kind of, you know, like it made you want them more. Yeah. And um, so even that, you kind of get the logic there. But, yeah. you know, when it comes to relationships, I hear enough of people's stories. I don't judge anyone's in terms of their choices, whether it's open relationship or polyamorous or just monogamous. I just think the end of the day, if you're brutally honest with your partner about insecurities, how you're feeling, it just makes you feel a lot safer. Because like I do, I, I care way more about trust than monogamy, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 100%. And I told Natalie too, it's just like I would, and I, I did say this, if like when we started dating, first started dating, it's just like I, I'm not saying I want you to hook up other people. Mm -hmm. But I mean it when I say that if you ever got tempted, let's say you went on a girl's trip mm -hmm. and you met some guy. I just, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I would want you to call me up and just tell me right. because I, I'd rather give you a hall pass than have you lie to me. I, right. I, I value the honesty so much more. And I think, and I was speaking on like what we had built in these like nine months of us like not being in a relationship mm -hmm. that I, I just treasured that just knowing that we were always telling each other the truth. And I think that's, to me, that can build a relationship. So if you are in an re open relationship and you have that, I think it can work. Mm -hmm. you know, we've not, we haven't tempted that. We haven't, she hasn't called me up or right. anything like that. But I, I get the logic and I suspect it's, it's people who really have that trust. And it's, it's one of those things where I feel like knowing you can is half, have that freedom. And then mm -hmm. you kind of like don't want to because you, you want to just be with the person you feel safest mm -hmm. and, and most connected with. But yeah, it can work for anyone. I, yeah, I do think marriage in its kind of, in a historical sense is the reason why, yeah, I get so many people divorced too is everyone's getting married for the wedding. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Especially uh, now, yeah. Or the kids. And, you know, they're still dating, you know, people will date for six months and 12 months, year and a half, get engaged and then learn a lot of new things about their husband or wives. Yes. And yeah, so. Yeah, people are on their best behavior for the first, I think more than a year. I think the real, the real person and the real like, I don't know, the minutia and like the nuanced stuff, that takes a lot of time to start coming up and the dynamic just changes after you're with somebody for so long. Yeah, 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 about a year. I'd say yeah. a year. <laughs> if, you had, if I had to guess, well, yeah, I'd, I'd agree, about yeah. a year. So my friend and I, that one that I was talking about, we were talking about Sanctum. Have you heard it? Mm -mm. I've, well, I've heard the word, it's but a, I don't it's know. It's a sex club okay. in LA and Miami and New York and a couple other places. It's like very exclusive. But we were talking about how in his point of view, and I haven't thought about it much, but I kind of agree. If you're both okay with it, that's kind of the most civilized way to like go about having other people in your relationship because you just go there, you take your ego out of it. Mm -hmm. Everyone's there for the same reason. You do whatever you do and then you're out and that's it. And it's not like having another relationship or cheating or whatever. Yeah. I, again, I get the logic. <laughs> I do. And, and I, I get how that could work because the problem, and I'm thinking out loud too, with like open relationships is it's kind of like, you know how like, I mean, you're younger, there's always like, with someone you've dated, there's always that like conversation about like having a threesome, like mm -hmm. some in a relationship. And then it's always like- Never a good idea. Would you, yeah. <laughs> but would you, would you ever have a threesome? And then even if two people are like, yeah, we should do it. Then there's like, 
well, who do we ask? Kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> it's always like this weird thing. And then if you're in an open relationship, it's kind of like, well, how do you go about doing that? I, yeah. I don't, I don't have the first clue. And like, you don't want to, you don't want your partner. I'm assuming if you're in a real open relationship to cultivate a relationship, right? And you have to get to know someone and build yeah. that kind of trust or intimacy to the point where you'd want to sleep with them. I think it's too many people to yeah. expect everybody to be on the exact same page. Yeah. Like I had a threesome when I was, I don't know, in my twenties and it was my boyfriend and I, and like one of my best friends it was t- worst decision ever because I don't know, that's too many Weird. people to have yeah. like things going on and like feelings get involved and same. I feel like it's the same thing with an open relationship. I know some people who have open relationships who seem happy, but I'm just like, just where does it end? Exactly. I think you have to have a lot of boundaries. Yeah, like talk about boundaries. And and talk about things. And I do think that I feel like if there is some sort of club, the sanctum or whatever, that would seem to work because you'd, seems like they probably have some rules or something. Yeah, and you it's go. like what happens at Sanctum yeah. stays at Sanctum. And then you don't have to worry about like them going on dates because it's like right. being in an open relationship is one thing. Like your partner going on a date with someone and that's, yeah. that's a whole nother mess. And so, yeah, I, I do think the world is only going to push the limits of traditional monogamy and relationships because so much of marriage is still based off of this endowment and mm-hmm. kind of getting married young and just, you know, literally kind of trying to put a square peg in the round hole. Maybe not literally, maybe more <laughs> figuratively. Um, but it will literally feel that way because you're just trying to force it. You're like, you're just like, well, we had our vows and I guess we have to make it work. But like, I kind of hate you right now yeah. or or that that pressure and people, you know, like it's just either, either we're going to have to figure out different ways of doing it or... Um, less and less people will get married. And something that I think is fascinating is life expectancy is increasing. So say that like in our lifetime, average, I don't know if it'll be average, but a lot of people will live to 100. So you get married at 22. Yeah. You're supposed to be married. Even at 30. (laughs) Yeah, you're supposed to be married to that person for 70 years. I mean, it's just seems a little crazy. Like I love my husband, but that's a little crazy. And like back in the day, you know, you watch like, the Mad Men, Mad Men. Yeah. And it's, and that's kind of how it was. And that's why like your rotary clubs existed because guys would just get sick of their wives and they'd go mm-hmm. drink with their buddies. And then the wives would stay at home with their, you know, neighborhood lady friends and everyone would just drink because they were just so kind of sick and tired of their like family unit. Mm-hmm. So like, that's not a life, you know, that kind of like pretend that you're happy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a challenge. Since we're talking about dating and relationships in this episode, I want to talk about something that can be really annoying when you're on a date, whether you're in a relationship or you're just dating casually, or even if you're just going out with friends. Okay. So this can apply to anybody. And that is bloating. There's nothing worse than going out and going to a restaurant and feeling like you can't eat or order certain things because you don't want to get bloated after It's like not the sexiest feeling if you are on a date. So that is where Array comes in handy. You guys, these have saved me so many times. So Array bloat capsules were created to help women feel their best so that they can 
be their best through targeted products, which are 100% natural, filler-free, organic, and formulated by a naturopathic doctor. And the bloat capsules are incredible because they can be taken at any time, whether you have just eaten something that you don't normally eat or had a really heavy meal or like in anticipation of going out to eat a really heavy meal. If you are going on a date or something or going out with your friends and you don't want to feel all bloated afterwards, you can take a couple beforehand. They have five different herbs and a fruit-based digestive enzyme. So they really help to optimize digestion. And they were basically designed to give people food freedom so that you can enjoy the food that you love without any discomfort. And They really help you to just be more present and enjoy the moment without worrying about what's going to happen if you eat a certain thing. So if you guys want to try Array, which I cannot recommend enough, go to Array.com, A-R-R-A-E.com and use the code BlondeFiles at checkout for 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% off the first month on subscription. Again, that's Array.com and the code is BlondeFiles. Mental health and relationships go hand in hand, and it's so important to work on yourself and prioritize yourself, whether you are in a relationship or you're dating or you are happily single, because if you are not good with you, you're not going to be good with anybody else. So whatever challenges you're facing with your mental health, whether you're struggling with low self-esteem or body image issues or anxiety or anything else, there's no one size fits all solution. And with work and school and relationships pulling you in every direction, it can be hard to find time to focus on what you really need. And that's why Talkspace Online Therapy gives you unlimited access to a licensed therapist so you can set aside time to put yourself first. I think for a lot of us, it can be tempting to want to kind of unload our problems on our friends or our family or whoever we're in a relationship with, if we are in one. And while it's good to have support from the people close to you in your life, you also don't want to burden them with a lot of this. And it's so important to have an objective point of view and a professional to help you work through a lot of these things. And instead of trying to then work through them yourself, Talkspace really has so many benefits. So instead of a therapist squeezing you into their busy schedule, Talkspace fits into yours. They have 24-7 messaging so you can talk about what's on your mind in the moment without waiting for an appointment. You also have chat, video, or audio options for live sessions so you can get support on your own terms from any device and your privacy is a priority and Talkspace has encryption and added security features to keep your conversations secure. So you can get the one sized fits one support you need with Talkspace. You can sign up today at Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code BLONDE. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com with the promo code BLONDE. So I want to switch to listener questions, but just off the top of my head before I look, I know that we got a lot about cheating. So from your point of view, why do you think guys cheat? Why do I think guys cheat? I, I, I don't know. I think weakness. Yeah. I mean. And, but is it like sex or is it the, I had, um, what was her name? Dr. Jen Mann. She was the therapist from Couples Therapy on VH1. Okay. She was on my show like two weeks ago and she said that. There was a study done where 93% of men cheated for an emotional connection before sex. And then it was like 92% 
or or 93% of women, 92% of men, whatever it was, it was in the 90s, cheated primarily for an emotional connection or that was what preceded the sex. And I think... That makes sense. I think most people just think, oh, guys cheat just to sex. But... Yeah, I... I mean, I've never cheated, so I can't speak like from a personal experience on like why I, I cheated or something like that. But that wouldn't make sense in the sense of, because like there's an excitement around it, right? It's always the build, right? For sure. It's always, you know, I think sometimes in relationships, we, I mean, like dating relationships, it's very easy to compete with your partner. It's very easy to unload on your partner, to take out your frustrations on your partner, to take them for granted because you just assume they're never going to leave. So you kind of unload kind of the stress of your day on them and then they become less of a partner and more of a punching bag. And whether you're a man or a woman, you meet someone who sees you the way your partner used to see you is this like charming and well-dressed and funny. And you start feeling like, Mm -hmm. Oh man, I am pretty great. And you, you know, and I think, yeah, I think, I think it's people seeking out, a validation they're not getting in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And like the novelty aspect of it, I yeah. think. Like the newness, because like yeah. that that high and that honeymoon phase wears off. So I think seeing somebody or being seen in that like kind of mysterious way, unfamiliar way, I think that that's... Well, yeah, because I do of. think a lot of people get into relationships. And I think that's why like they're getting in relationships before really building an emotional connection, mm-hmm. emotional intimacy. And you, I think on one of your like questions before coming in, you're going to talk about like fuck boys and fuck mm-hmm. girls. And yeah, I think everyone can be fuck boys. I use fuck boys broadly. It's a, it's a state, like it's a, a, women are fuck boys, men are fuck boys. And I think it's because, so it's hookup culture, but to understand hookup right. culture, you have to understand an emotional connection. Like emotional connection is not like getting excited about someone. It's not about like having a couple good dates mm-hmm. and, and having that conversation where they're just like, oh, I feel like I've known you forever. It's, it's not wondering if they're going to call. It's, it's getting in a fight or knowing that someone's learned your annoying habits and still knowing that they're going to wake up and be there and, and, and it's building that trust. And we're not spending enough time building that. And I think you can be a fuckboy because all you have to do is engage in hookup culture, have sex without any type of an emotional connection and not, again, not, not a like chemistry. I mean, like just trust that they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And, and then some person like gets another option and they leave and, and then you feel like you've been fuckboyed because they were just like, ah, oh, you know, they were saying a bunch of things and that changed, but you hooked up and you feel a little bit used and yeah, it, it happens both ways. So with the fuck boy or fuck girl, the MO is kind of like that they're not ready to commit. They're not ready for anything serious, right? Yeah, but they're, they just don't want to. Okay, that was my next question. Yeah. So if that's somebody's excuse, this was what a lot of people asked me. Like, oh, he says that like he's just not in a stage where he's ready to commit. Isn't everybody just not ready to commit until they meet the right person? Exactly, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the thing. Everyone, like your fuck boy is someone else's future husband. Right. It's everyone, and that's... It's the well-intentioned fuckboy. Like I'm old enough to like remember, like we don't we need to start using the word player again. Because to me, yeah. it's like the player is like the club promoter person who's out there, you know, collecting notches on his belt and you know, objectifying and and they're not even they don't care about relationships. The the fuckboy is like 
it's you and me who like, yeah, someday I want to get married. And I have, I, I do want to find a connection, but I'm also like, want to make sure it's the right one. So I'm getting on all these apps and I'm meeting all these people and I'm, you know, whatever. I'm not, uh, I'm not religious anymore. So if I, we have a couple of good dates, we're going to have some sex, you know? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I've changed my mind. And the next thing you know, you're a fuck boy. And they're all well-intentioned. So, yeah. Yeah. That's why they just don't like you. <laughs> they, He's just not that into you. It's, yeah. It's that. Like what I try to, they're just not interested in making you a priority. Right. At the end of the day. Somebody said, what is it about girls who aren't that attractive, but have the it factor? <laughs> but not attractive by whose standards? Right. This, you know. Um, but but are there, it's yeah, gonna, what are qualities sure, about women? Okay. Right. They, whoever this person is, this, this person asking this question sees themselves as pretty, but has a lot of insecurities, mm-hmm. right? And the person they're referring to who they've deemed is less attractive than them clearly uh, has less insecurities than that person and they, or, or they go around and not, and um, they have insecurities, but they don't upset. There's a difference. Everyone, we all have insecurities mm-hmm. and some people have their insecurities and just own it because being confident isn't about not having insecurities. It's about owning your insecurities and, and not being crippled by them. You know, you don't go around being like, and not being validated and, you know, for your insecurities, like, oh no, don't worry. It's like the person's like, do I look good in this? Or like, how do I look? Or constantly like, is my hair okay? Cause you're insecure about how your hair looks. You're just like, I don't know. My mm-hmm. hair's the way it is. <laughs> Either way, I f- I'm sure I look fine. You know, it's knowing that your hair looks the same every day to everyone else, but yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person is a little bit too wrapped up in their insecurities. It would be my guess. And the person she's referring to just kind of goes out there and just accepts who she is and is a little more comfortable with themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, what is I, I was I recorded some TikTok I haven't posted yet, but like people can smell when you're seeking out validation, and it's a it's a stinky stench. <laughs> like it's you know people you can smell it on people when we're pining yeah. for attention. People can tell, and it it stinks. So, do you think that confidence is the most attractive quality that a woman can have? I'm fat to stack rank them. Sure, yes. I'll say that's the most <laughs> top uh, three. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a big, I, I hate ranking them because I think for everyone, you know, we all say we're like, we're looking for everything, you know, mm. attractiveness matters, your physical attractiveness, but like guy or girl, we've all met attractive people that we couldn't stand five minutes later. And we've all met people who we thought were really attractive and funny, but were really insecure. And, and you know, you want all those things to find the right person. So mm-hmm. I think it's just having a good mix of the things that matter most to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody asked, is there a healthy way to get a guy to change? Uh, leave. Yeah. Walk away. That's it. Okay. No. Yeah. You don't get people to change. Right. Yeah. You have to set a boundary and then enforce it. And usually enforcing it means walking away. Because like, what, what do they mean by changing, right? Like mm-hmm. real change, real growth takes time and they don't do it for you. They have to do it for themselves. And they have, you know, if it's something that, and I'm assuming like, this is like a character flaw, not like, you know, the, the non-negotiables pet peeve. Like mm-hmm. if you're trying to get the, if you have a non-negotiable about someone and how they treat you, how they talk to you, like maybe your non-negotiable is like, I don't want a partner who yells at me when they get mad, you know, like screams. And this person does. They're mean. And you're just like, that's going to take some real growth and therapy on, right. on their part. So like, yeah, there's nothing really you can do 
time and walking away and meeting someone else. And, and the thing about that is by the time they've changed, you don't care anymore. Right. You know, so. And they always come back. They, as soon they, as you don't care. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine though, because you don't care. Yeah. You know, and that's actually, people say that is like, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But you only say that after the fact, because they come back, because if you don't truly care and you are indifferent, then you see them differently. Mm-hmm. You're almost like, I remember really being sad about you. Yeah. <laughs> and that is shocking to me right now where yeah. I stand. And like, that's a, that should be a good feeling to, mm-hmm. to realize your worth, you know, is a, it's a, it's a really great feeling. Like um, water seeks its own level. Yeah. Right. So usually like you step away, you grow and then you get a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah. It's uh, we, we fear change a little bit too much, you know, like totally. that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, it's hard to see that in the moment because relationships are an investment, right? So, you know, we give to our partners and we, we, even in the back of my mind, we recognize, well, I'm choosing to be with you. So I'm not getting to meet other people. And I've met your family, all these things. And so when things get bad or we rough patch and when we are in, in situations or relationships where deep down, we just feel like it's, it's not going the way we want. And we, we, we know we need them to change to stay in a relationship. We start like thinking about what we invested in the relationship rather than what we have, mm-hmm. which doesn't get us anywhere. And, and all, all it really does is make you stay in a relationship for like an extra 12 months that you could have been moving on to someone else. It just makes you, you know, it's that kind of, what is that uh, bad investment fallacy or whatever, Mm -hmm. like gambler's thing where you just keep betting to try to get back your losses. But we, um, I I hear that all the time. It's always like, but we've been together for five years or two years. And and I've made that mistake too. It's just like, well, I mean, that that does suck. But to your point, like, dang, you're only 27 and like, hopefully we all end up into we're a hundred. Yeah. If just... (laughs) Just plan on living to a hundred yeah. and then think about how much time you have left to live. And then think about like, is, is the three years you spent with them that big of a deal? I like that perspective. That's yeah. actually a really good takeaway, I think from this episode, but I think it's hard because especially like late twenties, early thirties, I know for women, like when you feel like you have that extra I, the, pressure of the biological yeah, clock, like, even though now you can thing, like yeah. put them on ice, you know, but it's a thing. Yeah. 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 Totally a thing. I think but it's the hard. sooner that it is hard, but you know, higher, slow, fire, fast. They always say, and mm-hmm. relationships the same way. And it it does suck, but the sooner you let someone go, where deep down you know, if you've accepted to yourself, if you're this person asking this question, well, how do I get them to change? You you know you have to leave, mm-hmm. you know. And the sooner you come to grips with that and accept and move on, the the sooner you are to meet someone else. But s- sticking it out with them and you know, forcing them to go to therapy with you. And it's just like, mm-hmm. ugh, that's, that's not going to work. You can't force someone to grow. Um, that's true. And I've made all these mistakes that I say <laughs> is nuts, but um, yeah. It reminds me of, speaking of TikTok, it reminds me of a TikTok where I can't remember, maybe it's like Will Smith or something talking. It's some like inspirational thing, but he's like, if you hold on to a dead thing, you're going to die with it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think so many people hold on to dead relationships and it just oh, like all the time kills both of you. It really, it really does. It's, it's tough. It's a lot of ego too. You know, like mm-hmm. you're not, if a relationship ends, you, you didn't fail. You know, I think everybody just has like an inherent fear of dying alone. 
dying alone. Yeah, but that's to Will Will Smith's point. If it was Will, <laughs> like it's a great way to die alone is to ignore your gut or whatever you want to call it. Your you know, or give in to your ego. Your ego is not interested in you being happy. It is interested in feeling special. <laughs> uh, it's really important to know the, the difference. Yeah, that's um, true. And, and that's where we fall trapped too. Is just constantly seeking out that validation to to feel, you know, like, well, I, I got them to change, you know, or they, they changed for me. Oh, we loved, mm-hmm. we love a person who changes for us. Cause then yes. we're special. Um, <laughs> Savior complex. Yeah. So <laughs> it, uh, it's a tricky thing. I like to ask my guests one thing that we should start doing today. And one thing we should stop doing today. Stop asking why at the wrong time. Okay. So I love the word why. I ask it all the time. So, you know, why? Why do you feel the way you do? Why did you choose to do this? In dating, we're asking why totally the wrong time. Mm-hmm. So like when, someone, when we first started dating, that's when you should ask why. You know, someone says, I love you. People are just like, thanks. Great. Of course. Of course you love me. I'm special. We should be asking why, but we never do. We're just, we just accept people's validation at face value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, but it's, see, I feel like that would be such a turnoff if someone said, I love you. And you're like, why? <laughs> it, it, maybe, I don't, you know, listen, I'm not trying to ruin no, a moment, I, yeah, okay. you know, fine. And embrace the moment. Okay. But like, it's okay early on to say, well, what, what mm-hmm. do you love about me? Mm-hmm. You know, and I just do is not an acceptable, so yeah. acceptable answer. Imagine you know, someone says, I love you. You're like, oh, thanks. I love you too. And then maybe a couple of days later you ask why. And they say, well, I, I love that you, I can be myself around you and I love that I can tell you my insecurities and, and you don't make me f- feel judged for having them. Well, I, I don't know. It sounds like a nice little moment, you mm-hmm. know? And like you can build that trust of like why they feel the way they do about you. Because mm-hmm. how many of us have been validated by someone, I really like you or I love you. And then two weeks later, they're gone. Goodbye. And they're yeah. like, what happened? But you said they love me. And that, all I'm saying is like, it's okay to check in. Mm-hmm. And we have to stop asking why mm-hmm. uh, when someone doesn't want to be with us anymore. We just have to accept it. And uh, why? Why? Are, why? No one's ever convinced someone <laughs> to stick around after they decide they want to leave. But we constantly will ask why. So what? The person can either lie and then be like, tell us something that will make us hold on to false hope or have to say something that will say, well, why are you being such an asshole? Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, there's nothing more heartbreaking than someone who doesn't like want to be with you anymore. I get mm-hmm. it, you know, or they left you for someone else or even worse, you know, they, they don't even know who they want to date. They just don't mm-hmm. want to be with you. And that <laughs> sucks. But asking why is, is not getting us anywhere and it will have us hold on to things that we need to let go. So yeah, I do think people should start asking why more often early mm-hmm. in relationships and stop asking why so much when someone's decided they no longer want to invest in them. Mm-hmm. Great answer. And yeah, I feel like that's information that I would not want to have about myself. <laughs> if a relationship was over, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to know. I wouldn't want to, I don't think I would want to hear that. No, but we, 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 we do. It's like, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can we just talk? Yeah. Can we do that, 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 can we just talk conversation and the history of, of dating? Has it ever worked? You know, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> not in the moment, maybe down the road after they, they shop around and realize they can't right. do better, they needed to like go on their journey. Yeah. But like you didn't convince them. Mm-hmm. They just got impatient. 
Amazing. Well, where can everybody find you and listen to your podcast and all of that? Yeah, uh, you can listen to my podcast, The Vile Files, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you watch podcasts, we also drop it on YouTube. And I'm uh, Nick Vial on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you. Thank you. hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie. 